Here we are now, with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, (laughs) I can't help but giggle a little bit at this one. (laughs) This is a good old chestnut, This that's for sure. (laughs) No doubt about this one. Today, I'd like to answer this question once and for all. Do people change? (laughs) This is a trick question. Did you know that this is a trick question? It's a very tricky question. And to answer it, really, the only way to answer it is in the way that I answer all my questions, which is by taking a very long time to answer them. (laughs) Which is, of course, because the answer is, it's both. And that's the answer, if you can wrap your head around it, and that's all you need to hear. Do people change? It's both. (laughs) Oh, Where do we begin with such a big question? Do people change? Well, how do you know what someone is? That's really the crux of it. What is a person? What does a person have in them? What are they? If you can answer that, then you can see how they change or if they change. What they change from, what they stay as. And the answer really is, well, it's both because human beings have, well, all sorts of variations to them. They sit on a continuum They have different types, processes, conditions, and all the rest of it. Some people don't change. Some people do change. Some people don't change in a way that's very sad. It's a way that is stale. It's a way that they're not really living. They're in their kind of groundhog day. They're in their kind of patterns. They're in their mechanical ways of thinking, talking, feeling, and behaving. And some people don't change in a very beautiful way. Some people are in touch with their core essence, which is unwavering. Some people are grounded in the storm, and they don't change no matter what. Some people stick to their guns in a ruthless kind of way. I wouldn't say that that's quite the same as being grounded in the storm. And it's rare, it's really rare to see the beautiful kind of person that doesn't change. 
And I believe that we all do have an essence within us, a flavor, a smell, a soul, if we can use such spiritual words, that doesn't change. And it's not always pronounced. It's not always clear. It's not always developed. And we could call it something more like a potentiality. George Gugiev had his theory of the fourth way. And in that theory, he said that the soul is not a given. It's a potentiality that can be born. It can be a flowering if the individual becomes aware of it and they work on it and they work at it. And all this is really, well, that's a few ideas about what it means to not change. So you can see that there is people that don't change in an ugly way and there is people that don't change in a beautiful way. And on the other side, we can say, well, people do change. You change jobs, you change house, you change your relationships, your hair has changed. (laughs) Maybe your body weight has changed. (laughs) And that's a good example, actually, the body, people losing weight, people putting on weight. That's a very obvious change, isn't it? And that... Really, well, by now, you should realize that that's only one component of what someone is, their physical body. But when we talk about behaviors, it's a little bit more tricky. Someone's changing behavior. Now, of course, it might be that they say, oh, I've stopped doing that behavior. Oh, I've stopped eating fast food. Ah, you've changed. You used to eat fast food all the time. But in that example, would you say that the person has changed? Or have they just stopped doing something? Where do we draw the line? To what degree do we say a whole person has completely changed? How much do they have to change in order to qualify for that? And there's another funny little trick to this and this is really one of the things that will stop you from seeing how people change and if you can get your head around this and you can see this as something you have to confront something you have to work with and something you have to break through then you can see what people are in a much more complex and vast way of seeing and this is this little thing that People create around them how they should be treated. People create around them how they should be spoken to. People create around them how they can speak and how they can act. And it might be that someone has changed quite dramatically, and yet when you encounter them, an old script, as it were, or an old creation of how you should be, comes into play. Now, when two people meet, 
They have to figure out, well, how are we going to relate? How are we going to talk? How are we going to behave? And on first meeting, they figure that out. First impressions are so important, right? You've heard that before. And once it's developed, once it's set, once you've basically figured someone out, right? You've got an idea of who they are, of what they're into. Then that's how they are. That's who they are. That's what they are. And this is unawareness. This is unconsciousness. This is not being awake to who someone is. Because in each and every moment, we are born again. In each and every moment, we are as fresh and as new as ever. Because no two situations are the same. And being awake to that means understanding that there's a tendency to be lazy with seeing what someone is. There's a tendency to categorize them. There's a tendency to just have this idea and put them into that. And even to be alarmed. It's so deep that sometimes you can be alarmed when someone steps outside of that. When something happens that's out of character, or you see someone in a different context, you think, wow, I never knew that about you. Oh, that's not the real, that's not the real Dosta. And this becomes greatly complexified when we're talking about change over a lifetime. It might be that you go back and you see an old friend from years and years ago. And all of a sudden you're saying the same sorts of things you used to. You're having the same sort of jokes. You're even reminiscing and talking about the same things that you did. And you say, oh, it's just like yesterday we were having that sort of way that we did. And that's this thing springing into place. This is the structure, the old structure of how you should be treated, how you should treat others, how you can behave, how you can talk, what you are, what you can express. And it's really a kind of blindness. It's an inability to see how someone has changed. And of course, it's on their part too, because they are behaving into this structure. The ability to express what you are is as much the trap, is as much the blindness as the ability to see it in others. It might be that someone has changed rather dramatically in every way. And yet still, when they turn up to that old friend, they behave in those old ways. It really takes a strong conscious effort in order for your change to stick all the way through. To have that kind of vast, deep change that transforms everything. Well, that is very rare. Now, there is this question of, Do people change naturally or do they have to be conscious 
and take control of it? Do you have to be actively involved in your evolution, your development, how you change over the course of the, of the life? And the answer is yes. You do have to be actively involved. Human beings develop to a degree. They develop to the average of the society and the culture and the times they live. That is that they develop up to a certain point and then they're stuck. Then they are who they are. And if by some miracle, by chance, they can become aware of transformative practices and have some savvy insight into developmental models or the nature of development, the nature of human evolution, then they can become aware of how they need to change and they can do the work. It's work. It takes real effort. And in those cases, they can change. They do change. And oftentimes, that moment, that moment of realizing I need to change comes with a a deep frustration with all that you are. A deep tiredness of just being inside yourself, inside your life. And that is actually a very profound moment. That's a very important moment. And that disgust, that fed up attitude towards life is actually the beginning of something very powerful and something very positive. People who don't think deeply or feel deeply don't have that intuition. They don't have that realization. They sort of just bounce along. And of course, it does poke its head up naturally every now and then. But they don't hear its call. They don't really listen to it. And it might be that it seems like that's a drama. It's a problem. It's an emergency. Because you might be looking around and not having this answer as to whether you can change or not. You might be thinking it's not possible to change because you don't know how. And you've tried so many ways and you just can't think it through. You can't get the idea and you see enough to know that you're stuck in your ways. You're doing the same thing over and over again. And so much is really just an escape from that feeling of being disgusted with yourself. If I can't change, then at least put off this feeling for some time that I feel hopeless. Just put off this sense of hopelessness. And that's what keeps you in the bad habits, as the bad habits help to relieve that sense of hopelessness, at least for a short time. And that's why they're so addictive. That's why they're so destructive. So make no mistake, it's it's a very important thing to hear that it is possible to change. It's quite tricky to underestimate what it takes as well. (laughs) 
but in the long run, it's possible to make a world of difference from this one insight. It's possible for your whole life to radically turn out in a totally different way, just because you understand that people can change. Now, in what ways they change, and what it is that they change to, and whether that's beautiful or a good thing, whether it's in touch with their true essence, whether it's in touch with their deeper nature, well, these are all the mechanics, these are all the details. These are all the finer things that you work out along the way. But the core insight is that, well, people can change. And people do change. And I count myself as someone who's very lucky to have been able to see this in others. It is, it is a rare thing. Society at large, culture at large, is not interested in having individuals change. Society is a machine that is poised to maintain itself. And to maintain itself, it needs more of the same thing as what it's got. And that is largely just people participating in economy. Largely, people just participating in the culture, whatever the culture is. It needs more participants. And there's a further thing to this, which is the skill of seeing what someone is. If I can circle back on that point, if I can say a little bit more about that. To really see what someone is, and to really look at them, that's a kind of sixth sense. To perceive someone, to let someone into your being, is to really be open to them, and it's actually to feel them. It's to empathize with them, and it's in, in a sense to live as them. For a few moments as they talk, as they share, as they tell you, as they express what they are. And it's very rare even that you're in the situation where it's explicitly obvious that the thing you're doing is saying what you are. Now, in one sense, people say what they are all the time. They might be saying, I'm worried about this. I'm busy with this. I'm feeling this. But they don't say it like that. They don't say what it actually is that's occupying them. They simply talk about what's occupying them. So instead of saying that they're worried about this, they'll just worry about it. They'll just talk about how it's wrong. They'll talk about how it's bad. I'll talk about how it's the end of the world. Or if they're busy with something, they won't say that they're busy with something, and that's who they are as a person. They'll just say, well, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And of course, in this way of words, in this way of explaining it, in painting the picture, 
I hope it's clear that you can see that this is just an analogy. This is just a sort of caricature kind of cartoon version of how it actually works. Now, in the case of it being explicit that someone is saying what you are or what they are, that's a very different game. That's a very rare game. And you can get at this by saying things like, well, how do you feel? What is your experience of this? There are leading questions which can draw people into that space. How do you feel right now? Is this a feeling you have very often? Is this a feeling that you like? What are you doing right now? And is it significant to you? These are deeper questions. These are the things that are really getting to what someone is. And if it's explicit, if you say, well, I want to get to know you, then you're in a whole different ballgame to just running into them and having them spouting out the things that are occupying their being unconsciously. And there's even a little bit of a a sexual innuendo in this phrase, I'd like to get to know you better. How often is that used as as the line that indicates something is leading to something between a man and a woman? I'd love to get to know you better. We all know what that means, right? (laughs) And there's some intimacy there. And that kind of intimacy is seen when you have the intention to really know who someone is and to make it explicit that that's what you're talking about. And there are ways that going into that that require sensitivity. So it's not like it's not like you can use this phrase as a as a quick get to. <laughs> it's not like the words, if you just use them, work as words. You can't just walk up to someone and say, "Well, I'd like to get to know you better," and then that's your open open door. <laughs> that's not how it works at all. There's a flowing. There's a trust. There's a rapport. There's a whole sequence of sort of things that happen between people as they build a relationship. And I've been fortunate as well to have been in a place where it was explicit that people were saying what they were. And in certain environments, your ability to perceive what someone is can be heightened. And this, as it happened, was also the same place where a lot of transformative practice was happening. So people were changing. And these three things, these three things of the ability to perceive, the, the ability to truly express explicitly what you are, and transformative practice, led me to witnessing some incredible transformations. Absolutely extraordinary, like you wouldn't believe. I'm talking about someone who was closed, hung their head down, 
spoke very quietly, had worries, had troubles, had stresses. And then a few months later, just a matter of months later, had a completely different posture. Their eyes had changed, their face shape had changed, their way of talking had changed, their confidence had changed, their grounding had changed. And even how they spoke about certain issues, deep issues, really deep issues, was strong, clear, powerful. And it was just a radical transformation in in a matter of months. And of course, what that person had done was a whole lot of very hard work. It was hard-won transformation. And of course, I mean, I've got this one person in mind, and this one person at the moment I'm thinking of, I, I actually saw a photo of them for from a few years before when I'd actually met them, and they were even more different. <laughs> so it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, they changed in the space of a few months. It was more like, They had been changing over years. And what I had witnessed was just a few months of the effect of what they were doing. And these are some extraordinary people. These are some amazing things to see. To see someone change in that way is... It it leaves me speechless. And the, the, some of the issues, like if I can talk about one of the issues, and I won't say who it was, let's just call this person ABC. It could be anyone, right? Because this is such a big issue. The issue of what it means to have a child as a woman. Now, a woman has something deep in her, biologically, as well as spiritually, which gives that deep desire to have a child. Women want to have children. They want to bear children. And if you're at a certain age, in a certain culture, in a certain time, well, then you've got this baby clock, right? Have you heard this phrase, the baby clock? You've got to have a baby before it's too late while you're still healthy, while you're still okay. And this means, who do you date? How do you find a partner who's willing to stick around? How do you find a partner that's suited to you? How do you find the best partner? How do you build your finances, build your home, build your work, build your career? How do you do these things? Yeah, this is a complex, deep issue for women. And I've seen people And there's a particular person who I have in mind, but I don't want to, I want to keep it general. I want to keep some anonymity here as much as possible. But this person had this issue and they overcame it. They resolved it. And they were able to talk about it in all these details in a very grounded way, in a very clear way. And to live a life 
where those sort of fundamental issues are clear is a beautiful thing. And it's rare. It is very rare. There must be so many women in this world who are under this feeling of the baby clock. There must be so many women that have their whole lives structured around this. Their whole drive, everything that they want, everything that they do, all that they're after is around this one thing that they want a baby. They just want to have a baby. They just want to start a family. And to resolve that, to actually have that not as an issue, as a hang-up, as a pain, but to have it as a kind of strength, a kind of personal knowledge, and even a, even a point of inner light is really remarkable. It's really something. And it takes a lot of change for someone to do that. I mean, to go from being under such a complex issue to being okay with it, that's, that's a dramatic transformation. That's a dramatic change. So do people change? Well, to say again, no, they don't. Because they always act the same around you. Because around you, you have this sort of rapport. You have this script. So you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know if people change. And do people change? Well, no, and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's because they're in touch with their inner beauty. And that takes, well, all of this takes sight. It really comes back to seeing what someone is. And to see more of what someone is, well, you do what we talked about, which is making explicit what it is that someone is. Bringing that to the conversation, bringing that to the interaction, bringing that to the relationship. Do you really want to know what someone is? And the, the, this skill, this, this high-level skill of sensing what someone is goes hand-in-hand hand with self-knowledge. It goes hand-in-hand hand with knowing what someone is. Knowing yourself is knowing someone else. On the lowest level, everything is projection. The world is only as it is because of your interpretation of it. It's only because it, it's only the way it is because of the things that are in you and you're just blaming the other. You're projecting onto the other. You're taking no ownership of your own perspective, of your own way of seeing things. And on this highest level, everything is one. 
There's no difference between you and me. And don't take that to mean that we're not different, in that we don't have our individuality, but it's that there are differences which are seen in contrast to something that is the same, constantly the same. This is the background atmosphere with which everything is seen, which is the polar opposite of projection. And that's a very broad spectrum. That's a very far-ranging spectrum to go from personal projection to the background atmosphere of which everything is contrasted is, well, (laughs) that's the journey of life. That's the path of life. And it's something we should probably talk more about. It's quite a complicated thing. And there are a lot of nuances to it. There are a lot of different traps to it. And it's not like it's one step. Once you stop doing projection, then you see the background of everything. There are many gradations and many things that are encountered along the way on that journey. But the thing that takes you along, the thing that propels you on that journey, is wanting to know what someone is. It's sensing the other. And this goes hand in hand with wanting to have others know what you are. So it's not enough to sit down with someone and say, tell me what you are. Be honest and be open and be sincere and really express that and really open yourself to them. That's only one side of it because the other side of it is you have to tell them what you really are. And sometimes that means, well, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm pissed off. I'm full of desire, I'm full of longing, I'm full of lust. And that can be a dark part of the journey. That can be sometimes the initial stretch of when you actually start to be honest with yourself, you realize that what you are is not very good. It's full of all these issues. And this is part of the realizing that you have to change. This is part of the realizing that it takes an awareness to see how to change, to see what to change. How can you expect to change something if you don't know what it is, if you don't know how it is? So grow a sense of wanting to express yourself authentically and also knowing what someone is, which means allowing them to express themselves authentically. And I hope that answers our question. I hope that lays it to rest. Do people change? Well, it's both. Of course, I feel like I've overemphasized more that it's possible to change. I've talked more about how people change. 
and how people don't. But that's because I believe it requires more emphasis. It requires more detail. I think most people can see how people are set in their ways, at least in others. And it's tricky with the way with words. It's tricky when we answer a question with, it's both, because that in itself is a kind of contradiction, and questions don't like contradictions. But unfortunately, to really answer a question, you do have to contradict yourself. So I hope that gets just about every angle of this question. I hope this is enough for us to at least mull over, and I'm sure it will come up again. And you can even ask yourself, well, how has someone changed? Go back and ask them that. How have you changed? How did you used to be? That can be a very probing question. That can be a very intimate question if you ask it of someone in a sincere way. So, do people change? The answer is, it's both. Thanks very much for tuning in. And that's all I have to say for now.